The planet's puppet masters almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something near beyond the realm of man And until you've thoroughly tested every last close just Here we go, Ironside Chatters, as we try to avoid the slow roll of total control in this Rockefeller-Rothschild debt-based system of rule. And that is no easy task. We know we have a toxic culture drenched in poisons and chemicals. From fluoride and pharmaceuticals in the water to aluminum, barium, and strontium raining from the skies, as well as nearly everything in between. Not to mention the Western medical system itself seems to make us sicker in many cases, suppress cures, and foregoes any real nutritional education in exchange for pills to make us feel barely well enough to keep dragging ourselves to those shitty jobs we love so much. It's no way to live, and today we're going to hone in on a specific area we haven't really spent a lot of time in, and that's how these counterintuitive ways and nefarious practices apply to the hospital birthing process. From prenatal to postpartum, we're going to dress this system down with Janice Barcelo, a woman who's dedicated a big slice of her life to understanding and dismantling this Western traditional way. Janice is a TV and radio show host, researcher, writer, educator, and activist dedicated to exposing the dark side of modern medicine. She's also a trained doula and independent childbirth educator with expertise in the healing and prevention of prenatal and birth trauma. Her first book is titled Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine, and I understand she's working on a second called MK Ultrasound. She also has a website, birthofanewearth.com, and I'm psyched because I think this is a subject that has some pretty far-reaching implications and some deeper agendas that we might have overlooked. A champion of the people, a light in the darkness, and a hero of the unborn, Janice, welcome to the higher side. Wow, isn't that beautiful? (laughs) A hero of the unborn. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here, Greg, and happy to have the opportunity to discuss this information. So I appreciate you inviting me on. Oh, likewise. Yeah, I'm so psyched you could come because I've been wanting to do a show on this subject for a while. We've looked at many conspiratorial aspects of Western medicine, but we've never really focused just on the birthing process. And even I was pretty shocked at the scope of this stuff when I got deeper into your work. And I think the best way to do it is probably just to go through the hospital birth protocols chronologically. But before we do that, what would you say about this subject overall? Like I mentioned in the intro, we have so many aspects of life weaponized against us. Why would this be any different, right? Exactly. And to understand that we're being deliberately altered from the gate, basically. I mean, the attack starts prenatally with what's called prenatal care. And it's followed up by a series of intense traumas and chemical assaults on newborns during hospital birth. The interesting thing, and this is probably a topic for a separate show, is that it actually begins preconception because we have also been manipulated sexually. So the way that we are behaving sexually And the way that we are conceiving children, the overwhelming majority of the time is haphazardly and as a side effect of fleshy indulgence, basically. Hmm. This conception imprint 
also affects our capacity to incarnate in a fully realized way. So the attack is beginning preconception with the influence that it's having on the consciousness of parents and how they're approaching each other and conceiving children. That's number one. Pornographic influence is huge in our culture. And I've done several talks on the impact of pornography, which you can find on my YouTube channel. There's quite a few on the internet. But getting to the birth process, getting to the prenatal care, okay, understanding the forces that are behind this and what their agenda is and how this is impacting us, I actually can't think of a more important topic than mm. to deal with what's been affecting us from the moment of incarnation, which begins with the spark of conception. Mm. Well, yeah, it's clearly a really deep subject. And obviously, these practices in the hospital birthing process didn't all come at once, and they've been kind of altered and refined along the way. But what can be said about the history here? Like, how did we move from a natural process that we clearly had for centuries, or we wouldn't be here, to such a cold and clinical system? Well, we have the Rockefeller, let's say the Rockefeller cartel, to thank for this, actually, because what they did in the late 1800s and the early 1900s is they basically, they were philanthropic. Hmm. So they gave medical schools a bunch of money. And then they said, listen, we're giving you all this money. We really need to have our people on your boards to make sure our money's going to good places. So they basically infiltrated the medical schools and then changed the whole structure of what medical students were being taught. They also, you know, there's a cult, and I don't want to go deep into this Luciferian cult that is actually of Judaic origin, but this cult bought out all the medical journals and subsequently started promoting lies in their medical journals, for example, lies about alleged benefits of things like circumcision. So they have been able to mind control the population from what we call science, which is totally satanic, from top to bottom, what science has been promoting. If we look at what science has delivered in the form of nuclear weapons, nuclear radiation, genetically modified foods, fluoridated water, vaccines, all of this extremely harmful stuff has been coming through the scientific community, which is part of this Luciferian cult. And the medical system is a fundamental component of this that's also controlled by the same cult. This may be uncomfortable for people to hear, but understanding that we're dealing with a Luciferian force that has masterminded the means of mind controlling us and genetically altering us so that we are mutants. Literally, we have very little of our brain capacity actually functioning, and most of our genetic potential is dormant, right? They say we use 5 or 10% of our brain potential, and they call this genetic potential junk. Junk mm. DNA, but I'm here to tell you it's not junk, it's dormant. And it's dormant because we have been genetically modified through this cult. Mm. It's 
very systematic approach that they've taken to create a mutant and enslaved species. So we're coming out of it now. And I want to sort of give people a heads up that as you begin the awakening process and as the mind control begins to break down, which is what this show is bound to cause, okay, it can be very physiologically uncomfortable. You can feel your whole nervous system speeding up. You can feel extremely agitated. You can feel like you don't even want to be in your own skin as the mind control begins to break down. And I apologize ahead of time for any discomfort that what I'm about to share may cause people, because that's really never my intention. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to upset people. I don't want to traumatize people. What I do think needs to happen, and this is why I'm doing this, is that people absolutely need to get this. We have got to understand what's happening, how we're being attacked, and step up to the plate to begin to protect our children and ourselves, but especially our children. Because right now, we have been willingly handing our children over to this Luciferian satanic system. We've been putting ourselves and our bodies and our children's bodies into their hands. And this is a very, very dangerous thing that we are doing. And we have to get a hold of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well said. And of course, here, we're no strangers to the analysis of occult orders. It comes up all the time. But to get into the stages of the hospital birthing protocol, like you said, it seems like almost everything they do along the way is essentially an attack. So to start at the beginning with this process, I guess would be the prenatal care. You know, a woman finds out she's pregnant, she goes to a doctor. And what are some of the first things that they do that you really start to take issue with? Everything they do, I take issue with. Every single thing that they do is harmful. Let me start by saying that. The main things that we want to get across today are regarding ultrasound and prenatal vaccinations. There's other things that are causing concern as well, like the gestational diabetes testing. It's a totally fake diagnosis that's pushing women to be allow themselves to be induced. The Rogam shot for RH negative women, all of these things are incredibly harmful. But understanding that ultrasound Okay, these ultrasonic scans that they do, it's usually an average of five per pregnancy right now. And some women are experiencing 10 to 17 ultrasonic scans during a single pregnancy. And this is also combined with Doppler fetal heart monitors. This is all ultrasonic irradiation. It is radiation. Ultrasound is the new x-rays. And even though the medical system will lie through their teeth and tell you that ultrasound does not cause the same damage that x-rays cause, I can tell you with absolute certainty, after three years of very deep research on this topic, that it is having the exact same effects as x-ray exposure. And the biggest problem with radiation exposure is that the effects may not show up for 5, 10, 20 years. Hmm. So let me give you an example sure. of, of how this works with radiation. 
I'll give you specifically ultrasound, okay? They are using ultrasound as a form of male contraception because they have known since the 1950s that it stops sperm production. So two 15-minute blasts to the adult male scrotum will ensure a minimum of six months infertility, and the infertility can be permanent. So what do we think is going to be happening to the developing testes and ovaries, which, by the way, ultrasound has also been shown to alter the structural development of ovarian and testicular cells. So what do we think is happening to the developing testes and ovaries of babies in the womb who are being blasted with ultrasonic irradiation in order to discover the sex? And we have a situation right now that has been building since the 1970s, which is when ultrasound was mainstreamed, okay, of male infertility. Since the 1970s and to this day, we now have 60% less sperm in the males of the Western world. Mm. This is not a coincidence. But the thing is, this will not show up until the babies that have been exposed are of reproductive age and begin to become concerned that they're unable to create a baby. So they will not be making the connection, generally speaking, between what happened to them in the womb and the fact that they hardly have any sperm. Right. I mean, obviously, that's a huge concern. We know the elite have been talking about depopulation for years, and everybody in the conspiracy world has been so concerned that there was going to be some nuclear warfare or some huge attack, something very epic and in your face. But why would that be the case when they could just do these covert methods and, you know, you don't hear it quite as much because maybe it's already taken care of the depopulation agenda. I mean, here it is. But you also have a long list of problems associated with ultrasound for the baby. Can you talk to us about some of those other negative side effects beyond just the infertility? Let me just back up for a second and say ultrasound is a nuclear attack. Mm. Okay, this, this is atomic radiation. In other words, this involves the blasting apart of atomic atoms, okay, atoms inside of crystals. That's how they produce the ultrasound is by bombarding crystals with electricity and causing the atoms within the crystals, the electrons that are circling around the nucleus get blown out of their orbits through these electrical attacks. It's the exact same thing that they are using to create artificial radiation, man-made radiation. This is all an atomic attack, hmm. meaning they're attacking the basic building blocks of our universe, the foundational building blocks of our universe to create this man-made radiation. Fair enough. All right. Let me leave it at that. It's a very dark, dark world. And it's very strongly orchestrated. So coming back to your second question, which involves all the other things that this causes, one of the main things that really should get across, well, two things. When you put 
a cell, a DNA molecule in water, what happens is that the DNA creates a beautiful symphony of sound. It's like an orchestra of sound. When you then expose the water to ultrasound, and by the way, ultrasound has to be carried through a medium like water or like the amniotic sac. Okay. When you expose that water to ultrasound, the DNA stops producing this beautiful melody and puts out a monotonous drone, one monotonous sound. So we have at least one Russian scientist making the comment that the genetic information in this DNA has been completely deactivated from one exposure to ultrasound. And he made the comment that, oh, my God, you know, we have no healthy children left because virtually all of them in the Western world certainly have been exposed to ultrasonic irradiation in utero. Mm. And this deeply affects the DNA. Um, it's deeply affecting the mitochondria inside of the DNA. And when the mitochondria begin to deform or become dysfunctional because of irradiation. This affects organ development. It affects many, many aspects of the development of a baby, mm -hmm. which can show up in multiple ways. Right. On your website, you have a pretty lengthy list of things like from birth defects, autism, to low IQ, to even like leukemia. And I'm just curious, because with a culture so full of problems, diet, nutrition, drugs, chemicals, how can we really peg all this to the ultrasound itself? Can you tell us a little bit more about where that data comes from for people who might be a little skeptical? Well, ask me about a specific one. You know, a, which thing are you interested in? And well, I, how about autism for starters? Okay. With autism, what we have happening with ultrasonic exposure is the neurons in the brain. And first of all, I just explained that mitochondria can be damaged inside of the DNA, okay? Mitochondrial damage also leads to neuronal death, all right? Neurons, when you expose a brain to ultrasound, neurons that are intended to make it into the cortex to generate cortical development do not get there. They are trapped in the lower levels of the brain, which means that the cortex is not going to develop properly. And the cortex is the part of our brain that allows us to develop language, it allows us to analyze the world around us, it allows us to control our impulses and to ask the question of whether or not it's an appropriate time to get violent or, you know, Am I okay to not get violent here? It's, it's the part of our brain that helps us regulate our behavior. It's also the part of our brain that allows us to communicate with the divine mind and to receive information mm. from source consciousness. So we are directly interfering with cortical development. We are directly interfering with the creation of apoptosis, of cell death, of neuronal death, 
There's massive ways that this is causing brain damage. And autism, of course, I would say about ultrasound that it is the first precursor to autism. So I'm not going to tell you that ultrasound is responsible for the autism epidemic because something else people should know is that ultrasound opens up the blood-brain barrier. Okay, so when you take a pregnant woman and you expose her to ultrasound and then inject her with prenatal vaccines, we now have a direct route into the brain of that baby for the vaccine toxins because the blood-brain barrier has been opened through the ultrasound. Hmm. Radiation in general breaks down the blood-brain barrier, which allows toxins that would never otherwise get to the brain, get to the brain. Okay, so there's a, a number of things that are happening at the same time to generate autism. Vaccines are a huge contributor. Right, right. That's the one we usually hear. Yes. And because so many parents have witnessed their children regressing immediately into autism or dying within hours or days of receiving a vaccine caused by encephalitis or brain swelling. So vaccines are a huge culprit. But when we think about autism, we have to think about the inability of these children to be able to bond properly, to be able to connect on a human level through eye contact, through emotional contact. And we have a series of things that are contributing to this, and hopefully we'll have time to talk about each. But let me, let me say very quickly, okay, we have ultrasound, vaccines and pregnancy, induction, that includes the use of pitocin, pitocin being synthetic oxytocin. Oxytocin in its natural form being the primary bonding agent that allows babies and mothers and fathers to bond and experience love for each other at birth, that hormone will not be circulating through the mother's system properly because of the introduction of pitocin into the bloodstream, which tricks the brain okay, and stops the production of natural oxytocin or undermines it severely blocking bonding and destroying the baby's oxytocin receptor sites. Mm -hmm. They're damaging the babies for life because of the lack of oxytocin at birth. Okay, this is followed by epidural, which also tricks the mother's brain so that she's not producing the opiates and beta endorphins and all of these beautiful things that will also create powerful bonding and a powerful experience of well-being and love, okay, followed by cesarean section, which also interferes with bonding, followed by cord clamping, which cuts off the baby's oxygen supply, causing further brain damage, followed by eye ointments, which also block bonding. Eye contact is critical for the activation of the brain to produce the neurochemicals of love and bonding. They are blocking it with the eye ointments, followed by newborn hats that are blocking the ability of parents to smell the pheromones coming off the baby's head, which also activate the brains of the parents to fall in love and identify 
their child, followed by swaddling and followed by circumcision. Swaddling is a form of torture, unbelievable torture, and circumcision is the absolute most unbelievable, disgusting attack that we could ever conceive of, strapping an infant to a torture board, literally strapping his arms and his legs to a torture board so that all he can do is move his head, sometimes shoving a pacifier in his mouth so he's choking on his screams while you systematically jam. Sorry, I get really intense about this because it is outrageous. It is. That we have not seen this and parents are handing their babies over. But while you hand your baby over for this, while they jam a sharp metal instrument into his penis, sticking it in between the foreskin, which is attached to the glands, jamming it in there, and then ripping the foreskin off of the glands of the penis without anesthetic, Ah. 96% of the time, the babies are given nothing zero man yeah it's definitely dark stuff and that is a great overview of most of those major points i do want to dig deeper into them you know as we can but to get back to the ultrasound thing let, let me say one thing before we move on back to ultrasound i do believe the reason boys are becoming autistic so much more than girls is because of the extreme brain damage that is being caused by circumcision Well, you could say it's trauma. It causes, I've heard you talk about disassociation, which could contribute to those kind of neurological issues. Yes. And babies that are capable of dissociating, not all babies do this. That's something people should understand is those who are involved in trauma-based mind control are looking for the children who can dissociate. Because those are the ones, those are the ones that can be tortured again and again without dying. Interesting. Yeah. Very dark. Not all babies can disassociate, but can dissociate, but uh, ultrasound is also causing babies to dissociate. There's a lot going on. There's, there's a lot going on. Right. And cer- certainly with circumcision, boys are being pushed to dissociate. Man, it is quite a bit of stuff. And another point I just wanted to make about the ultrasound is that, you know, I've heard so many times doctors tell pregnant women not to get into a hot tub or something because their stomach and incubator is so sensitive to heat. But I've also heard you talk about how ultrasound can cook an egg inside of a shell or it could, in the case of using it on a womb, can cause burning on the bone. I mean, that is pretty nutty stuff. And especially... If that's true, the trauma that it causes, that kind of imprinting is not good because we know that babies are sort of environmentally prepared before they even come out of the mother. And, you know, you're kind of setting the kid up for an environment of torture. You're setting that life up to think that everything is going to just be putting it through the ringer from the ultrasounds to the circumcision. It is not a good way to start life, you know, jamming. 10 needles into it for all these various vaccines is pretty dark stuff for sure. And I guess I would ask you, is there any kind of control culture that we can look at? You know, a culture, of course, that doesn't use ultrasounds and have these practices that we could compare 
our Western stats to theirs to see all this damage in the data? Well, my book, which I've changed the name, it's going to simply be called The Dark Side of Prenatal Ultrasound, will lay out, I mean, many, many hundreds of studies that are pointing to the damage being done by ultrasound. You've got to, and not just ultrasound, it's all the things that, that are adding up together, but ultrasound is a huge huge contributor to the health issues that we're seeing in children today. It's becoming more and more difficult to look for a society where they're not using ultrasound. And this is part of their game. Okay, now we're not going to have any comparison to another culture because the babies all around the world are being exposed to this and are going to become equally sick. But if you look at the damage to the children in the United States alone, not just with autism, okay? When I was a child, I'm 60 now, we didn't have any autistic kids. I don't remember a single autistic child, mm -hmm. okay? Now you cannot walk into a classroom, ask any teacher without having several children on the spectrum, quote, unquote, okay? Children have allergies, asthma, right? All kinds of allergies to foods and different things like that. They're having very serious health problems that we did not see. Neurological damage, seizures, blood disorders, cancers. All right. You spoke earlier about the heating and especially the heating of bone. The reason bones are being heated up much more, well, ultrasound causes massive heating, okay? Up to 10 degrees, the amniotic sac can go that warm, which will cause damage to the developing baby. In terms of the bones, they are crystals, all right? The bones will begin to resonate with the frequencies, the extremely intense frequencies of ultrasound when they are exposed to ultrasound irradiation. There are crystals inside of that ultrasound transducer hmm. that are being tortured. They're being electronically tortured. The crystals are morphing and deforming, and as they morph and deform, they push and pull the air around them, which causes what, they're, what they've termed ultrasound. It's a crystal screaming, basically. But the same thing is happening to the crystals in our body. They are also morphing and deforming. So are we really surprised that we're seeing bone cancers or things like leukemia in very large numbers in children younger than three? Are we really surprised to see that there's so much hearing damage? when there's crystals inside of our ears that are also morphing and deforming in response to their resonating with the crystals in the ultrasound transducer. Wow. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that nobody, I mean, it's like the elephant sitting in the middle of the living room and <laughs> nobody's willing to look at it. Come on. Right. So obvious. The hearing damage also started in the 1970s. Isn't that a coincidence? Mm -hmm. So to uh, get to the next step, so we got prenatal drugs, of course. We know those are no good. Ultrasounds are seeming increasingly dangerous. 
And then if we get to the birth itself, I think, you know, the first thing we should talk about is what you mentioned, induction. And I've heard you talk about induction as initiation into a cult, that they specifically use that word for a reason. And earlier you mentioned spiritual systems that, you know, we aren't even aware of that are being damaged and affected. But what can be said about inducing labor? Well, induction is a word that people should be conscious of because it is a word that's used when we speak about being inducted into the military or inducted into the police academy or inducted into a, a cult, a cult that is in service to the dark side. Okay, that is what is happening when we acquiesce to the induction of labor. Our baby is being initiated into a Luciferian order that is that runs the medical system and that basically runs our entire society at this point. But what induction is, is forcing the baby out of the womb before it's ready to be born. Okay? Mm-hmm. So Babies in a natural birth are the ones that initiate labor. They are the ones that signal the mother's body that they're ready to be born. And then the mother will begin producing the neurochemicals of birth. So in a, in a beautiful world, the one that the creator has given us, the baby has dominion over the timing of its birth and the baby knows when that time is. However, they are usurping the baby's control over the timing of its birth. Mm-hmm. And they are imposing a mental idea that the baby has no control over its life, that they are the ones who will be controlling its destiny. Right. Okay, this is a very subtle, unconscious thing. But induction is going to have this effect, on top of which induction is created through extreme violence to the baby. All right. Everything that they do for an induction. Let me go through this, okay? Amniotomy. Amniotomy is the breaking of the waters, the breaking of the amniotic sac, that beautiful, watery, oceanic sac that surrounds the baby happens to be there in order to protect the baby from the intensity of contractions. So when you break it, the baby is going to be feeling the intensity of contractions much more. That's number one. Okay. Number two, fetal heart monitors. As soon as you say yes to Pitocin and induction, and we're going to get to Pitocin because it's a major problem. They're going to put these women on fetal heart monitors. The ones that go around the belly are using ultrasound. So the baby is going to be exposed to ultrasound frequencies, which the baby can hear. Okay, to the baby, it is like standing in a subway station when the trains are rolling in. These frequencies can go up to 120 decibels. And we wonder why there's hearing problems. Also, it's like standing next to, a, you know, somebody with a chainsaw. Hmm. All right. So babies are hearing these frequencies. They're being blasted with the radiation. They're burning up. 
throughout the entire labor. And that's just if they're using the external fetal heart monitors. In some cases, they're going to use an internal fetal heart monitor during which a metal probe will be screwed into the baby's head. Right. I thought that was really like so over the top. I had a hard time believing it until I looked it up and that really does happen. Yes. Look up electronic fetal probes. Take a look at these screws that they're putting in your baby's head, that they're sticking their hands up into the bodies of laboring women, which is incredibly painful, dangerous in terms of infection and damaging, and screwing a metal probe into the baby's head while it's in the womb. What a welcoming, right? So now we've got the amniotomy which makes room for them to put this probe in the, in the baby's head, okay? And then we're going to introduce something like Cytotec. Cytotec is a drug that they're going to say ripens the cervix. It basically causes a miscarriage state so that your, your cervix will open up and the baby will ideally just fall right out. However, Cytotec is an ulcer drug that is being used against label by the medical system, which label specifically says should not be used on pregnant women because it can cause uterine hyperstimulation and uterine rupture. Uterine hyperstimulation meaning the uterus is going to be turned into a trash compactor instead of a, an organ which is designed to help the baby get born. It's going to crush the baby. Yikes. That's uterine hyperstimulation. It's going to cut off the baby's oxygen supply. It's going to put the baby into fetal distress, or it'll rupture the uterus, perhaps threatening the life of the mother and the baby, perhaps causing an amniotic fluid embolism and immediately killing the mother. Right? Mothers are dying in large numbers as a result of medical interference in the birth process. In fact, the United States has one of the highest rates of maternal mortality and infant mortality in the world. Mm. Wow. So I wanted to step back to induction for a second, because this is where I wanted to point out. This you know, is I've all heard... part of induction. Everything I'm talking about right now is part of the induction process. Fair enough. And I've heard you use that phrase, usurping the destiny of the unborn before, and it might sound a little new agey, but I've become a big believer in astrology. I just see the data and it seems to work. And if souls do reincarnate and we pick our vessel, so to speak, when we come back into the material world, if you intentionally set up a system to screw with that, I can see how you really can alter the course of an entire life that might have had a whole different life path laid out or had a life, different life path in mind. And then, yeah, usurping the destiny of the unborn is a great way to express that because you are changing quite a bit with the way that baby comes into the world. I'm not sure that they can usurp the destiny. Let me say that. They can definitely usurp the dominion that the baby has over the timing of its birth. And they can also scramble the baby's ability to fulfill its destiny with all the trauma. If I look at how far off course my life was until I started getting on this, I was very, very, very far off course from what I believe I was designed to do in this lifetime. 
And I think many people are. If you're involved in a job that you hate, if you hate waking up in the morning and doing what you do every day, you are not on course with your destiny. You have become a slave. Mm -hmm. You have become enslaved to a system. And you're probably raising children to fit into that slave system. And that'll, it'll increase with each generation. So I don't know that they can succeed in usurping the destiny. They can certainly try to interfere with it. And they are doing that on a grand scale. Some of us are strong enough to pull through it and get back on our, you know, get back on our path. Mm -hmm. But not all of us will. All right. So yeah, they are interfering at some level, but they can succeed wholly in, in interrupting the destiny. They absolutely have succeeded in interfering with the dominion that that child has over the timing of its birth for at least one in three children in the United States today. Mm -hmm. One in three babies has been forcefully ejected from the womb before it was ready to be born. And that's very mean-spirited. And don't for a minute believe that the babies cannot feel how mean-spirited this attack is. Mm -hmm. The babies know they're completely telepathic. They can sense every aspect of it, even if the parents cannot. Most of the parents are completely unconscious, completely clueless, and they allow these things to happen without doing an ounce of research about the damage that it causes. So induction is a major problem and everything that I have just shared, okay, from the amniotomy to the fetal heart monitors to the cytotech and the Pitocin, which I haven't talked about, all of these things are part of the induction process. Mm -hmm. Elaborate on the Pitocin angle a little bit, if you could. As I stated, Pitocin is synthetic oxytocin. All right, synthetic oxytocin, when it is injected into the body of a laboring mother, will undermine her ability to produce real oxytocin. Real oxytocin being absolutely necessary for the bonding between mother, baby, and father. Oxytocin is critically important for an experience of uh, deep love and a sense of well-being at birth. When it's not happening, when it's not, you know, the mother's body should be flooded with this hormone at birth. But if she's had Pitocin injected into her bloodstream, I'm telling you, there's going to be issues. There's going to be issues with her being able to breastfeed because natural oxytocin controls the letdown of colostrum and the ability to breastfeed your baby. Natural oxytocin, if you don't have it, you're likely to experience postpartum depression because you haven't been able to experience love at birth. Right. And it's going to interfere with bonding. And when bonding is interfered with, your body may think your baby is dead, literally. If you cannot hold your baby, if your baby's been taken away to be poked and prodded and injected with toxins and poison burning gunk put in its eyes and a hat put on its head and swaddled so it goes into uh, parasympathetic chakra dissociation. If you've had your baby taken away during that first hour after birth, do not be surprised 
if you experience postpartum depression. And I'm not just talking about mothers now. Yeah. And I thought those elements of bonding were just really great. Some stuff I didn't really think about all that much. But earlier, you kind of went through a little bit of it saying, you know, we wrap the babies up and we put those hats on their heads and that blocks skin to skin contact on one level. And then also those pheromones that apparently come from the baby's head on another. And the swaddling was something that I was like, really swaddling is bad. But I mean, you're basically putting that baby in a straitjacket. I mean, those are restraints. And this is a, a newborn baby. It's probably trying to flex its muscles a little bit, you know, like kind of stretch out. And it's like stuck in this little cocoon, basically in a mummified state, not to be super dramatic. But, you know, you got this baby screaming at the top of its lungs. It's been prodded with 10 needles by this time, probably had the tip of its penis cut off. And now it's uh, in a straight jacket. I mean, this is just a hell of a way to come into the world. It's off the charts. But again, this is the reinforcement of the thought, the idea that we have control over you. We have control over you. We have control over your life. Now it's time for you to learn how to dissociate so that you can deal with the extreme torture that we are going to subject you to throughout your life. And they are doing this. Okay. We are being tortured, all of us. Mm -hmm. Through the radiation grid, there's a myriad of ways that we're being tortured. And you've talked about this, this satanic initiation and that this whole process basically boils down to black magic. I mean, this seems to be taking everything they've learned and studied about the human birth process and then flipping it on its head or extracting the most trauma that they can out of the situation. And there are little subtleties to this, like causing resentment between the mother and child because the mother's like, well, you've caused me all this pain coming out and there's a little bit of a problem there or it causes resentment between the mother and father. Like, why aren't you protecting me when I'm in this huge state of pain, which is the father's role? So it's just like all these little subtleties too. And that that disassociation, like the maximizing of pain and suffering. I mean, in a lot of magical conversations, this is where you get into the idea of making room for some other entity or, or multiple personalities. I mean, this is essentially exactly what MKUltra was up to. There's so many things that you just said that really need to be addressed. Okay, for example, the fact that mothers are going to feel that they can't trust their partners to protect them and that this can be the beginning of the end for that marriage. Okay, it's very unconscious for most people. All right, when a father is forced to stand by and watch as his wife or partner and his child are being abused by the medical system, that mother will begin to have less respect for the father because he didn't protect her. However, these poor fathers have also been extremely traumatized from their own births, many of them circumcised, many of them conditioned to dissociate immediately in the face of a, of a threat. So they walk into the hospital, okay, and they go numb. There's no way that they can speak out. I know because this happened to me personally. Hmm. All right, I watched my husband stand there 
and do absolutely nothing as these doctors were torturing my baby. And I never was able to forgive him for that. Mm. Okay, and, and I mean, to this day, even now, that I understand what caused him to go into that catatonic state instead of doing something. All right, I still harbor resentment for the fact that he did not protect us. He did not say a word. He stood by and watched. But he couldn't help it. Right. Because he went into shock. Man. See, I, I started cursing at the doctor, and then they threatened to move me out of the hospital, have me removed. My husband stood there like a mute. Hmm. My baby was in a NICU. My baby was in the neonatal intensive care unit, which is unbelievable torture. But let's not go there yet because I don't know if we'll even get there. I mean, it's un unbelievable what they are getting away with. How much torture of these babies is happening. But this issue between about family breakdown after a traumatic birth is a very, very big one. And people need to become hip to it. Childbirth should be, it's actually the most important event in the life of any couple. When it happens in the way it was designed to happen, that is in a love-filled, gentle way, when mother, father, and child are able to bond, they're able to make eye contact, they're able to smell those pheromones, they're able to make skin-to-skin -skin contact, the bonding, the, the brain will be triggered to flood the system with an experience of love, the likes of which will never happen at any other time than during the birth of a child. Okay, this is an experience that can bond that family permanently. And that's what it is designed to do. It's a reference point that if you get into situations later in life that are difficult in your marriage, all right, you can refer back to that point where there was so much love flowing that you will remain bonded to your partner and to your child. That's what is supposed to happen. What is happening now is the furthest thing from that. I mean, you, you, I, I've got pictures of fathers sitting in the waiting room alone. There can be, I mean, you can have a, the whole friggin' medical school is in the room with the mother, right? Everybody's watching her, sticking their hands in her vagina. I mean, there's a whole ton of people in there, the janitor, you know. <laughs> You got a whole freaking audience in there, right? But your husband, the baby's father, is outside in the waiting room. Or even if he's in the room, if you're lucky enough to have the, your partner with you, all right, many times you've got this doctor standing in front of the woman catching his baby. Like, what are we doing here? It's like they're stepping in and usurping the father's role. Right. Well, we're so conditioned to just trust the experts. And to give our power away. Right. Okay, that is his baby. First eyes that that baby should look into are the father's or the mother's, period. The first hands on that child should be the father's or the mother's. Right. The first connection that that baby makes should be with his or her parents. Imprinting is a real thing. Yes, it is. And you would never see an animal in the wild hand off their young to somebody else. 
Oh, no, no, no. Hmm. They are front and center, very present. Right. Okay, a mother would never hand over her offspring to somebody else. That's true. But all of these things, see, people need to understand how bonding happens, how the brain works, how the neurobiology of love is activated at birth. The neurobiology of love being a fundamentally neurochemical, physiological experience of love because your body floods with these chemicals of well-being and of bonding. Mm -hmm. All right, when you don't have that at birth, you're going to be looking at the neurobiology of grief instead, which is what we call postpartum depression. Right. And so, man, I guess to get back to the stages of the protocol, I mean, we obviously fast forwarded a little bit, but is there more to say about something like the epidural? I think this is one thing that a lot of mothers actually do reject. And then they say that they had a quote unquote natural birth, but it's still obviously so far from natural. But a lot of problems arise from that epidural, right? Oh, yes. And let me say that it's hilarious what passes for natural birth. You know, if it comes out of your, if your baby comes out of your vagina, they're going to, you know, qualify that as a natural birth. Even if you've had, you know, the induction, the pitocin, the amniotomy, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of this stuff, the cord clamping, they're going to call it. There's nothing natural about any of this zero. You've exposed your baby to ultrasound. You've had your vaccines. I mean, this is not natural, folks. Okay. Every aspect of this is an interference. With respect to the epidural, I didn't get very deep into Pitocin, and it's a very deep topic. But with epidural, the epidural also tricks the mother's brain, okay, so that she will not be producing the beta endorphins and the natural opiates of birth. Now, in childbirth, those beta endorphins and natural opiates are needed for the baby also. They help the baby to overcome the intensity of the childbirth experience. So we have Pitocin contractions, which, by the way, are extremely intense. They are unrelenting over the top, one after another after another, on top of each other with no rest, totally different than natural contractions. The natural contractions will start, they'll, they'll, you know, peak for 30 seconds, it will ease off and the body will rest, they'll build again, they'll peak, they'll ease off, the body will rest. All of this is necessary for the well-being of the mother, for the well-being of the baby. With Pitocin, the contractions are going to be off the charts, not just for the mother, okay, but for the baby, who will have a screw in its head, who will not have the protection of the amniotic sac, who will be exposed to ultrasound frequencies. I mean, the baby's being attacked, and the contractions are going to be smashing the baby. Hmm. All right, now the mother's going to beg for the epidural. The epidural's going to come in and further disrupt the natural chemicals of birth that are necessary, not just for the mother, but for the baby. Okay, so when those natural opiates and beta endorphins are not flooding the mother's system because she's had an epidural, the epidural's telling the body, ah, there's nothing happening here. I guess I can kick back and relax. I don't need to, you know, produce these things. There's nothing happening. 
All right, so now even though the mother's not feeling anything, the baby's going to be feeling more pain. Wow. And, you know, I saw a documentary years ago called The Business of Being Born, and it didn't go as deep as you're going, but it did talk about that process that hospitals use like clockwork and that you get the epidural, then the baby's heart rate speeds up, so they scare you into another drug, and then the heart rate is too low. And so then they say, okay, now we got to do that C-section. It's the only way. And now they've got you on the hook for an expensive surgery, and you're going to have to pay for a couple of overnights. Of course, you know, this documentary's focus was on the money aspect, but a C-section does a lot more damage than just to the wallet, right? A C-section does a tremendous amount of damage. And let me say that the Pitocin, we need to really cover this in more depth before we move on. Sure. With respect to the baby's heart rate, which you just mentioned, okay, the Pitocin is going to escalate the baby's heart rate because the Pitocin contractions are going to be crushing the baby. And because in that crushing, the umbilical cord is also going to be compressed, cutting off the baby's oxygen supply. You understand? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So they, they, there's been several people also coming forward. This is in my book, Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Medicine, Dark Side of Modern Medicine. All of this is in my book, by the way. But specifically nurses and other people coming forward to talk about something called pit to distress, which means the doctor gives an order to the nurses to ramp up that Pitocin to the highest level possible in order to deliberately put the baby in distress so that they can move more quickly to a C-section. This is not uncommon. So they know that Pitocin is going to cause fetal distress. This is why they hook up the fetal heart monitors to you so they can watch as the baby goes into fetal distress and say, oh my, look at that, your baby's in fetal distress. What a surprise. I wonder what could possibly be causing it. We're only blasting these sound frequencies at your baby through the fetal heart monitor, terrorizing your baby <laughs> and crushing your baby through the Pitocin contractions. But, you know, we don't have any idea that we might be the ones that are iatrogenically inducing the fetal distress so that we can then move you more quickly to a C-section. And, you know, they talk about the cascade of interventions, which is that if you allow induction, yeah, sure enough, induction is going to mean you have a, like a 70% chance of ending up with a C-section. Well, why is that? Because your baby's not ready to be born. And because your baby's going to go into distress from all of these things that they're doing to try to force the baby to come out of the womb before it's ready. Hmm. And you also have like a 70% chance that your baby will end up in a neonatal intensive care unit, which will extremely interfere with bonding, extremely harm the neurological development of your baby and during which your baby will be tortured several times a day, every day, that it spends in the NICU. And I'm not making this up. NICU babies are systematically tortured. They are repeatedly paralyzed with drugs, so they can't move, and they can't cry. 
but very painful things are done to them while they're on paralysis drugs, like having tubes shoved down into their throats, being put on incubators, having IV tubes stuck into every vein of their body, including veins in their heads, and inserting feeding tubes, doing surgery, just like circumcision, doing surgery on babies without anesthetic, but paralyzing them so they can't move or scream. Man, that is dark. It is sick shit. Excuse <laughs> me. It is evil to the core. Right. Isolating babies, preventing them from being held, putting them in incubators where nobody, the only touch they receive is painful touch, repeatedly sticking them with needles in their toes and in their heels and the most sensitive parts of their body several times a day, every day, putting tape on their skin, ripping it off, putting it back on, ripping it off until the skin is raw, sticking them with so many needles that they get gangrene in their feet, in their, it's disgusting. It's disgusting evil. And these are all, you know, strangers. You don't know what they're doing. You're not even around at that point. But before we run out of time, I did want to just maybe hope give some people hopefully give some people some positive information we clearly see what not to do but i don't think people know much about home birth or water birth we're so conditioned to trust the experts we get no information on this stuff generally but how would you advise soon-to-be parents like what should people know about home births or dispelling those myths before we go one of the things i do with my clients first and foremost ideally we begin working before they're pregnant, but in the case that they come to me while they're pregnant, the first thing is to start working with their own birth trauma and to help them move out their own birth trauma. This is very important because we don't want traumatic repetition. We don't want to recreate our own birth trauma when we give birth to our children, which is very, very common because the body is always trying to work it out. And one of the ways it works it out is by recreating it in an attempt to create a happy outcome. <laughs> but usually it's not a happy outcome. Usually traumatic repetition compounds the trauma. It's a very deep topic. But that's the first thing is to address any past trauma, especially any trauma that people have experienced in the womb or during birth, their own birth or the birth of past children. If they come to me prenatally, I'm going to encourage them about conscious conception, the creation of a space of love. I'm going to encourage them to conceive in that space of love and to find ways to gestate that baby outside of a field of trauma, to avoid prenatal care as much as possible, what passes for prenatal care, to get themselves a midwife, a home birth midwife. There are two different kinds of midwives. There are certified nurse midwives that are usually medwives. They're very medically oriented and medically trained, very often working within the hospital system and generally not very helpful. That's not everybody, but a much better bet is to go for a certified professional midwife in the United States so that they are much more prepared to work with people who are interested in avoiding 
technological interference, and doing home births. They're usually much more skilled and adept and practiced at the art of home birth, so finding a certified professional midwife, doing everything you can to learn about natural birth, watching as many films as you can on this topic. I think birth as we know it, birth as we know it is the most important film that I've ever seen on this topic by Elena Tonetti in terms of understanding the power of natural birth and the damage that birth trauma can, you know, can inflict on us. Also watching videos on birth trauma so that you can understand the things that are causing birth trauma and try to avoid them. Read my book, Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine. Read my forthcoming book, The Dark Side of Prenatal Ultrasound. Educate yourself. Watch films. Very important. And do the research. Get books like Susan Weed's book on herbal for the childbearing year. I don't know the exact name of the book. Her name is Susan, S-U-S-U-N, Weed, W-E-E-D, and learn about the herbs that will help you conceive in a healthy condition, perhaps help you detox and ready your body for conception, and help you during labor so that you can avoid the use of technological interventions and use those things which the Creator has given us right from the very beginning to support your process of childbirth. Prepare your body for childbirth by drinking red raspberry leaf tea, for example, or alfalfa leaf. If you want to have plenty of vitamin K and avoid that ridiculously toxic vitamin K shot or any of their toxic synthetic drugs, learn about the herbs that will provide you and your baby with everything that your body needs to have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy and gentle birth and learn about the herbs that will help you move through difficult times during the birth process. Okay, things like blue cohosh and black cohosh, herbs that will stop any sign of hemorrhage. All of these things are things that would be beneficial for you to educate yourself about and hopefully a midwife would be educated about. If you've had any past miscarriages, any any stillbirths, any abortions, you are carrying birth trauma. And it is very important to try to get it out of your body before you give birth. This is the work that I do. This is what I'm helping people do. If you are interested in such work, please email me at JaniceBarcello at Yahoo.com or visit my website at birthofanewearth.com and read everything on my website. You know, there's great stuff there, even for fathers, about what fathers can do to protect their partners, what they should do during hospital birth. I've offered courses specifically for fathers. I have so much information available for free on my website and also all over my YouTube channel that I don't think you'll get a better education from anybody else. I honestly don't. I don't think most midwives are clued in to the issue of birth trauma, and certainly they're not courageous enough to address it with most people. And yet, if your birth locks up, you know, if you go into work through past trauma, And if you have somebody that's aware of this and can help you process it, this can be extremely beneficial instead of trying to introduce drugs to override the process.
which will always be harmful and induce more trauma. So there's things that we can do. That's a, a basic overview. I mean, yeah, I've worked with people who have avoided prenatal care and the hospital system entirely and have not allowed these forces to touch their children. And this is this is not an easy thing for most people to do. Most people would never have the guts to do it. It is tough. But, you know, after you've had a baby that's become autistic because of the extreme abuse that was inflicted on this baby and uh, this baby, you know, one of my clients, her baby was not even vaccinated, Hmm. but became autistic, autistic because of all the trauma from the first birth and the second birth. There was some traumatic repetition you know, by the third birth, she said, they're going to throw me into high risk. I'm not going. They're going to hurt me. They're going to hurt my baby. I'm not going to expose my baby to this. So sometimes, you know, you got to be backed into a corner with tremendous abuse to yourself and your babies before you have the courage to say, no way. I'm not letting them touch me this time or my baby. Mm, right. Well, that is some great advice that should get people started. And I'm so on board with a lot of what you've pointed out today, but I'm sure some listeners find parts to be a little extreme or over the top. But to play devil's advocate here, almost everyone listening has gone through a hospital birth. I'm sure 90% of the guys listening are circumcised. We've all probably been vaccinated. And many of us feel fine. What else can be said in summary to further the point that this process really is as bad as we've been discussing when so many of us have been through it. So many of us have been through it and we've made it out alive. So our bodies, our physical bodies have made it out, but our spiritual capacities have been made null. And so I don't know of anyone that has their spiritual capacities intact. And in order to understand what that means, I encourage people to read the Ringing Cedars books, Ringing Like a Bell and Cedars Like the Trees, ringingcedars.com, in order to understand what a pristine earthling, I won't say human, because a human is an altered man, All right. What a pristine earthling was capable of prior to genetic modification and the attack through trauma. We have no concept of what we could do if we had our capacities intact. Many of us have a very damaged ability to create healthy relationships that are enduring. That's one clear indication that we have suffered from trauma. If you've gone through several divorces, if you've never been able to get married or to even experience what I'm talking about when I say the neurobiology of love, if you've never felt that love just from looking in somebody's eyes, I'm not talking about orgasm. It's a totally different experience. Orgasm is stunted and incomplete. The the neurobiology of love is immense, and it floods the whole system. If you've never experienced that, 
then you are altered. If you have a difficult relationship with your mother especially, then you have been traumatized and altered, and so has she. And the same goes for your father. Okay, if you are willingly handing your baby over for vaccines or circumcision, there's something not right. You're not thinking clearly. There's something that's happened to you that's caused brain damage enough for you not to have the instincts to protect your offspring. Mm. Well, this has been so eye-opening, a little graphic at times, but it is what it is. Before I really let you go, please do remind people one more time where they can dig deeper into your website, your articles, your book, all that good stuff. My website is birthofanewearth.com. Please go there. You will find my book there, Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine. You'll find my double DVD series there on pornography. You will find two upcoming workshops in the UK and in the Netherlands, should your listeners be from these countries. Um, you'll find a tremendous amount of information on my website, also on my YouTube channel, which is Birth of a New Earth. Or you can go to the YouTube channel of Janice Barcello, uh, which has less videos, but still there's a lot of information there as well. I have a blog, which is probably a little bit too hard hitting <laughs> for most people, but it's getting a lot of hits, you know, almost 5 million views. And that's birthofanewearth.blogspot.com. It's very, very hard hitting. And it's not specifically about the birth process. You'll find much more about pregnancy and childbirth on my website at birthofanewearth.com. Please watch for my book, The Dark Side of Prenatal Ultrasound. And please forgive me if I've caused you any pain uh, during this show, because I know it's very, very painful mm. to, to address this. And I'm, I really I feel badly to cause people pain but it is so needed for us to understand this. Yeah, sometimes the truth hurts. But, well, thanks again. Definitely a unique show that's going to make a lot of people think. So mission accomplished. And take care of yourself out there. Thanks again. Thank you, Greg. God bless. You as well. And bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Take care. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, Janice Barcelo. Serious stuff. She does not mince words, and I like that. I thought it was a pretty unique show for us to do, a subject that hasn't really been covered in full, and kids are not really in my immediate future, but it was a nice show to do. And the wife, you know, she puts together the show notes, so she grabs all the links. So she saw even more and was saying, yeah, fuck Pitocin. <laughs> not interested. And we definitely went on a few tangents in this episode, but when we were able to just go through that hospital birth protocol step by step, I thought it was really compelling stuff. And I know it's a lot to take in at once, and not every aspect is going to apply to every person's situation. But even if 20% of this is as harmful as we discussed, that is too much. I've talked to a lot of recent parents who had regrets about certain aspects of the process that they didn't really think through or consider beforehand that were just kind of tacked on or rushed through or just kind of assumed. And they weren't super happy with that when they reflected on it later. 
And that's something that I try to keep in mind. I'm also not a guy who's out there watching a lot of birthing videos, but I thought I owed it to myself before this interview to see if I really thought these ecstatic or orgasmic births were exaggerated. And it's pretty wild to see birth after birth that look like the women are in almost no pain. It is worth a watch. Some of them, you know, tangentially speaking with their dynamic are a bit too open for me, no pun intended, but the husband and kids are naked with the mom in a kiddie pool. And that's great, you know, big happy family. But that's where I know I'm going to draw the line. If you aren't birthing a human being, there's no reason for you to be naked. Someone is filming this, okay? Your nine-year-old swimming around naked in a birthing pool in the living room. But this is not the point. Just give them a watch because you can tell if someone's in pain or not. And these are women on no drugs. So judge for yourself. But how about that ultrasound info? That's definitely something I'm going to take to heart. I'm already a pretty less is more kind of guy, but that did just drive it home. I hope, if anything, with the tens of thousands of people listening that we did cut down on some radiation exposure, maybe we make some potential parents dig deeper into these topics and find out what they're comfortable with. And again, just don't wait to the last minute and think these things through. Sure, we all want to test our growing feti and make sure everything is healthy in the incubator, but do be careful and thoughtful about everything you do in that process. I was also thinking... As Janice kept bringing up birthing trauma, maybe this is a little far, but it could be that for some people it's bad enough to induce abduction-like dreams, poking and prodding, medical experiments, PTSD type stuff, who knows? But it is curiously like the scene of some abductions. Maybe it's birthing trauma. I'm sure it's more than just that, but I wouldn't be surprised if some people have lifelong nightmares about aspects of that. Anyway, do check out her site, birthofanewearth.com. She even has a piece on droopy eye syndrome, an indication you've been a victim of MKUltra abuse. And she's got so many Hollywood folks on there. Very topical, very poignant. Check it out. I do wish we could have gotten to that, but sometimes it's also nice to be like, Bam. Two hours, essentially one topic. So also, let's just do that part now. But as always, if you liked the first hour, join the Higher Side Chats Plus and get the second. TheHigherSideChatsPlus.com. Five bucks a month for an extra hour of all five shows each month. You can also sign up through Patreon now. What aspects do we talk about in this episode? Well, how about cutting the cord, causing weak births and raising some scary occult implications for giving away your baby's blood? I thought this was super important. Obviously, we talked about it on multiple levels, but really just on a base one, stop cutting that cord so early. It does seem like your baby needs those nutrients. It's going to suck them in and have a strong first day. Seems important. But we did get into how much of that pain in childbirth is unavoidable versus how much is situational. Also more on the creator and the spiritual implications of all this, the sexualization of children, the dark ritual of circumcision, and the blood sucking by mouth tradition that still goes on today, the vaccine and eye ointment components, episiotomy. Jesus, do not remind me about episiotomies, but... Also, we talked about the modern practice of making life from the eggs of dead women and the sperm of dead men in the lab. Wild stuff. Very interesting. 
I think it's time you treat yourself. Anyway, I do try to cast a wide net and cover a lot of diverse ground, and you be the judge. But another point about this show is imprinting. I definitely think the hospital process interferes with that on multiple levels, and imprinting is a big deal. It's very easy to see. Ducklings will follow a dog around if it's the first thing they see when they're born. The fetus also looks for clues about its environment very early on. They did this study a couple of times during famines and found that the baby's digestion, or maybe a better word would be metabolism, is changed for life based on the clues they got from their environment, the signals coming in, in the environment which they were grown. So yeah, these things do seem to matter. And it might sound intense to commit to a non-hospital birth, but we all come from a long line of people who are not born in hospitals. Granted, you want things to be clean, you want to educate yourself and prepare, but to quote Rob Schneider, you can do it. And with that, I'm out of here. Oh, I guess I should also say, as far as Wolfgang's trial, they did have a pre-trial proceeding that you could see on YouTube. I also heard earlier today, just a couple hours ago, that the lawsuit was dropped, and then I did hear that it wasn't, so I'm not sure. I haven't heard definitively from him. It's tough when the guy doesn't have social media. I don't want to bother him, but the deposition aspect is scheduled for tomorrow, as far as I know, but I just wanted to keep you updated. Which is really to say, I don't know what's going on, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> and with that, I'm getting out of here. Big thanks again to Janice. I've done my part. Your move, deviant doctors, hellish hospitals, and masochistic medical protocol producers. Your fucking move. They built a little empire out of some crazy garbage. Called the blood of the exploited working class But they've overcome their shyness Now we're calling them your highness And the world screams Save me THC They destroyed the bonds of friendship and respect Between the only People left who'd even look them in the eye. Now they laugh and make a fortune off the same ones that they tortured. And a world screams, save me, THC. Let's look for Jesus. Some will say. Blood of the explosion.